You know, when you tend to look at Christmas and you talk about Christmas, most of the time we talk about a baby in a manger. We talk about a a little boy in a cradle. We talk about shepherds and wise men and all those kinds of things that the Christmas story shares with us. And yet, sometimes we, we make a very bad mistake if we're not careful. We have a tendency, if we're not careful, leaving that baby in a manger. He was in a manger for a little while. But he grew to become a man. We, for the last three weeks, we've been looking at several different dimensions of the Christmas story, and we talked about the miracle of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that that was a promise that God had given to us, a promise all the way back to the days of Isaiah. That he was going to be born of a virgin. And then, of course, we looked at last week of the anticipation. All the anticipation of the Messiah, the Savior, that was going to come into this world. But now, today, I want to look at another dimension of Christmas. Why did he come? Why can I celebrate Christmas the way that God wants me to celebrate? You go back into the Bible and find in the book of Galatians chapter 4. In fact, turn with me there in your Bibles. Chapter 4. Here was an old rabbi. He didn't even believe in Christmas in the beginning. In fact, he hated the one that he ended up loving the way that he did. That was the the man by the name of Saul who became the Apostle Paul. And there he shares with us the real true meaning of what Christmas is all about. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me as we begin reading this very special Verse of Scripture. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God Through Christ. Oh, how precious, precious these words. 
what the Apostle Paul has done. He has literally taken that babe out of the manger. And he's literally shown us the reason and the purpose of him coming into this world. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful and we're so grateful that there was one by the name of the Apostle Paul was able to give us insight of the special meaning of what Christmas is all about. Father, I pray for your anointing and your feeling of your Holy Spirit. Give us the words that needs to be said and that needs to be heard. Fill our hearts with your Spirit and move among us according to the will of the Father. And Father, we'll praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This letter was written somewhere around 50 A.D. In other words, it was about 20 years after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and somewhere about 50 years of his birth. And what Paul does, he does something different than what Luke and Mark has done. Paul gives us the theological version of what Christmas is all about. If you want the historical account, you want to know all that, what took place of that particular time and day when Jesus was born, we go to Luke and we go to Mark and we begin to find and realize that they give us a a very accurate detail of Christ's birth. But the Apostle Paul, he gives us a complete different dimension. What he does, he allows us to see the heart of God and allows us to be able to see the real true meaning of Christmas. The message of Christmas. My friend, I want you to understand, because of Christmas, there's three things I want you to notice here in this passage of Scripture. First of all, you're looking with me in verse 4. Because of Christmas, you and I can enjoy spiritual freedom. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, we don't know exactly what particular day that Jesus was born. Now, all of us have birthdays. And we know that because of birth certificates. And we know that because of our parents telling us that on this particular day, you were born. Well, they didn't have birth certificates back in the days of Jesus. And so we don't know exactly what particular day that he was born. But we know that he was born. That's the most important thing. But the Bible says at a set time. In other words, I believe that God had, the Father, 
had circled on the date of his calendar of a specific date. And on a specific day, he had put a star beside that. I believe it was before the foundations of the world. I believe before he ever flung the planets into the sky. Before he ever put the sunshine there in the, in the sun itself. I believe before he breathed into the nostrils of man. And made him a living soul. God knew there was going to be a specific day. And on that specific day. That he was going to send his only begotten son. What's so special about that my friend. Whatever day it it was. I don't know. And you do not know. But I do know this. God was not late when he sent him. God was right on time. God sends a son and brings him into this world through the womb of a woman. Now you stop and you think about that. Just like every son and daughter. He was born through the womb of a woman. Just like you and I today. In other words, he became just like us. The son of God was sent to become the son of man. And he came for that purpose so that we might have that spiritual freedom. Now, look what the Bible says there in verse 4. Excuse me, in verse 5. Paul tells us exactly right here why he came. He says, to redeem those under the law. Now, those who are under the law, who is that? That's all of us. Every single one of us is under the law. Now, of course, we know there are what is known as physical laws. There's universal laws and there's spiritual laws. God is talking about the spiritual law. God is perfect and his law is to be perfect. And yet, therefore, we understand there's no One that is good. No, not one, the Bible says. No one has perfectly obeyed that law except one. And guess who that was? That was Jesus. He's the only one that lived above the law. Why? We can't even keep our own laws. I mean, I, I wonder if we would have the raise of hand of saying, uh, how many people has ever had a speeding ticket? <laughs> yeah, I see quite a few hands already. Some of you are not wanting to show your hands. <laughs> the majority of us, if not most of us, have had a speeding ticket. Or we have run a stop sign or a stoplight. Or, or we've had... had Broken the law, have we not? Well, let's get a little bit more personal than that. About New Year's resolutions. How many times have we ever made a resolution that we've broken? All of us. Well, I made a resolution about 10 years ago that I haven't broken. And that was, I'm not going to make any more resolutions. (laughs) Because every time I make one, I always break it. In other words, that's a part of my nature, is it not? That's a part of your nature, that we break laws. And, you know, the old saying goes, as we 
Think about it today. You do the crime, you must do the time. And that's exactly right. And my friend, I want you to understand, when you break God's law, God's spiritual law, you must do the time. And the Bible says the time that is, is the wages of sin is death. It's death. But oh, I'm so grateful to know that the Bible tells us that he's redeemed me from that. Now, that's why, that's the difference between religion, I mean, that's why uh, religion itself cannot get you to heaven because you can try your very best to keep all the laws in the world and yet you're still going to break them. Somehow, someone, some way, you're going to break the law. It may not be some of the laws that others may have broken, but you're going to break that law. James makes a statement in James chapter 2 verse 10. For he says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of it all. Is there one that can stand here today and raise their hand and say, I've never broken the law of God? No, you can't. Because if you did, you've just broken one because you just lied. (laughs) You can't do it. But the Bible says, Jesus came to redeem us. He came to redeem us. And the word redeem means to completely pay off a debt. In other words, my friend, the one that who kept the law perfect, he came and there he died upon a cross and there he paid the penalty of sin so that you and I can be redeemed. Be redeemed And be forgiven. That's why you and I can enjoy spiritual freedom. That's why there's joy in the Christ that you know today. That's why that you have peace in your heart today. Is because you know that the slate has been wiped clean. And you have been, your sins have been paid in full. And you are spiritually free. Oh, my friend, that's what Christmas is all about. That's why we can celebrate it. That's what it's all about. Think about it. Every morning, God's saying, you don't owe me anything. It's already been paid for. But there's a second thing. Because of Christmas, not only is there spiritual freedom, but also there is what is known as a supernatural family. A supernatural family. Look what the Bible says in the latter part of verse 5. It says that we might receive adoption as sons. The word adoption. Immediately your mind goes to of where a man and a woman comes to a decision to adopt a little baby, or adopt a child. But I don't know if you know this or not. In the first century, they didn't adopt babies. 
In the first century, the word adoption was not for when you adopt a child because they didn't do it. In fact, the Jewish um, people didn't adopt at all. It was a Roman tradition. Here's what they would do when they would adopt. Sometimes a very wealthy individual who had a large estate. And there he would, uh, realizing that he's getting on up into some years. But because of his children, and they become, some of them have become very dysfunctional. He did not feel that he wanted to relieve his wealth and his estate over to them. You know what he would do? He would go out and he would find a man, a young man of good character, a good reputation, a man that uh, knew that he had his head right on his shoulders. And you know what he would do? He would adopt him. He would adopt him and make him become an heir of his estate. And sometimes even beyond those that were their biological children. And adoption was done for that matter. Well, my friend, I want you to understand. When you become a child of God, God literally adopted you. Not because of your, your bad or because you're good. Not because of your righteousness or your unrighteousness. Not because you're wealthy or you're poor. God adopted you as being one of his children because he loves you. And that you're one of his children today. Now, have you ever stopped to think about adoption? There is no such thing that I'm aware of today where there's unplanned or unwanted adoptions. There are unplanned and unwanted pregnancies. But adoption is when a person has taken a lot of time to consider. And they normally had to pay a tremendous price to adopt that child. Those that have adopted children before can identify with what I'm talking about. The Bible says in verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Because of Christmas, you are a child of God. Because of Christmas, you can call God Abba, Daddy. Intimate Father. All because of Christmas, my friend. You can look up to him and say, I believe I'm one of your favorites. <laughs> because you are. Every one of us are one of his favorites. And that we can call him Abba, Father. Did you know that Jesus used that term, Father, 200 times while he was on the face of this earth. 
If you go to the prayers of the ancient Judaism, you'll never find them referring to God as Abba, Father. They would say that was, set, that was being disrespectful to God. But yet, you read here in the book of Galatians, an old Jewish rabbi, a man by the name of Paul, had come to experience what Christmas was all about. And he got so excited that he would look up and he says, Abba, Father, Daddy, because I am adopted child of yours. Oh, my friend. Because of Christmas, I can enjoy spiritual freedom. I know I'm not under bondage. Because of spiritual freedom, I'm not a slave to sin. Because I'm a part of a supernatural family. And you know what I think about? That when I become adopted into the family of God, that I have brothers and sisters in my life. I've heard people say, and I've heard them Make remarks like this why the people at church I'm closer to than even my own biological family. How could that be? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this is your family. It is your spiritual family. We are all the children of God. And as we love the Father, we love one another. And we have that special relationship with that. That's why, my friend, when I come to church on Sunday morning, I'm excited because not only did I get to come and be with my father, but I get to come and be with my brothers and my sisters as well. Oh, spiritually. I can enjoy Christmas because of spiritual freedom. I can enjoy Christmas because Oh, that supernatural family. But thirdly, look in verse, with me in verse 7. Because of Christmas, I can expect a special favor. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Here's your difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is all about rules. Keeping your P's and Q's. All about rules. Christianity is all about a relationship. Big difference. Big difference. Christianity produces sons Religion produces slaves. Religion. But the Bible goes on and says, And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Friend, I want you to understand, you're more than just a son or a daughter. You know... The slave inherits nothing. The son inherits everything. Christmas tells us that 
God not only just set us free, but he made us an heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can, can you stop and imagine that for a moment? That he has adopted me. He has, he has spiritually set me free. I no longer am in debt. And that I am now literally no longer a slave, but an heir of God through Christ. You know what that means? Everything that God owns, I own. Everything that God possesses, I possess. Everything that God possesses, you possess. Oh, it's a great and wonderful word to know of the way that God has allowed us to become an heir of Christ. I heard an interesting story a number of years ago. There was this very wealthy, wealthy individual. And he had a slave by the name of Marcellus. Marcellus was a fine young man. But this, this very wealthy man also had a son. He was an evil young man. Very belligerent. He was a type of man that was always getting in trouble. And so, finally, this man who owned the slave and who was the father of this other, he died. And when he died, he had a will. And in that will, guess what happened? He left everything he had to Marcellus, the slave. Didn't leave a thing for his son. But then, they, as they continued reading the will, they realized that the guy did leave his son one thing. And he said, out of all that I've had, he said, you can have one thing. And you make the choice. So that son said, let me understand, Marcus owns everything. Of my dad. Yeah. And you telling me I can pick out one thing that I can keep? He said, yeah. He said, I'll take Marcellus then. Because if I take him, I've got it all. My friend, that's exactly the way it is with God. With his son. When I took Jesus Christ as my Savior, I took it all. Everything that Jesus possessed, I possess. Everything that God possessed, I possess. But you know, we were talking just a few moments ago about adoption. Back in the days when they would adopt older men, that not only would the one that is adopting the one would sign the paper, but also the one that was going to be adopted would have to sign the paper. You know what? That's exactly the way salvation is. 
God signed the paper for to set you free from your sins. He signed the paper to adopt you as a child, a son of God, a daughter of God. You must make the choice whether to sign the adoption papers. Have you done that? Have you done that? Because if you haven't, my friend, you don't understand what Paul was talking about here today. Thinking and talking about that we have spiritual freedom. That I am no longer a slave to sin. That I am a part of a supernatural family. I've been adopted and that I am a part of what God has done in my life to bring me into the family of God. And that I can experience a special favor that I receive and experience to be the heir of God's mighty kingdom. I want to encourage you today. If you haven't signed the adoption papers, that you sign it today. Father, in Jesus' name, what a joy and what a delight to know that as we come together today, dear Lord, that we have been set free from the bondages of sin. And to know that we are free and free indeed. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Christmas is so special. And therefore we must always remember this very truth today. I wonder today, dear Lord, if there might be someone that have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, never experienced you as what they know what Christmas would give to them as knowing that he, it would be a part of receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. Today would be that day. Maybe there's someone has done that. And they need to come and to announce and allow us to celebrate of what God has done in their life. Lord, that's our desire today. May the Spirit of the living God move among us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And as we sing that hymn of invitation... It's a time that when people come to acknowledge Christ as their Savior. It's a time when people come and want to be a part of the family of God. It's a time when people come and they want to be a part of the fellowship of the local church. It's a time when people come and renew their relationship and their walk with the Lord around the altar. So if the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart today... I want to challenge you, invite you, for you to come and give your life over to Him. As we stand, as we sing, I invite you to come at this time.